Hello friends, welcome to the 2B Boys podcast starring my good friend Trill Will and myself Alex Morse. Me and Trill went to college together for a few years at Elmira College in New York and we decided, you know, why not make a podcast, talk about life, talk about experiences, give people a perspective maybe they've never thought of or lived through. We're going to have a lot of guests that um, are close to us and or we've interacted with anything from CEO to your average garbage man. These people got stories. They've got information that we can share with others and we want to share that with you. So please sit back, relax, listen to this podcast. And if you know you like it, let us know. Hit us up. Shit, come on the podcast. Let's make memories. Welcome to the 2B. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 2B Boys Podcast. On this episode, I welcome the Vice President and President of ADA LTD. These guys are family friends, and um, they have been wonderful people to me in the past. Um, ever since I first met them and started working for them, um, we've built a long-time relationship, and um, they've come in and, and uh, offered their um, experiences and expertise on, on business, especially in the construction field, and I would like to welcome them. Pat and Jim Murphy. So uh, thank you so much for taking this time again, and um, we'll get right to it. Uh, Mr. Murphy, obviously I've known you for a few years along with Pat. Um, you guys are both, um, Mr. Murphy, you're still the president of, of ADA Traffic Control, correct? Yeah, president, CEO. And uh, Pat, you are? Vice president. Vice president. So, Mr. Murphy, what's um? How did how did you start out with ADA, and you know how did this become a business for you? Well, back in 1997, uh, I joined the firm of Continental Detective Agency, located in Bridgewater, Vermont. Followed my career in law enforcement, and uh, my partner was Ed Lucas. And when I and we immediately changed the name from. Continental Detective Agency to Associated Detective Agency. Uh, that was done, I believe, in 1997, 98. I'm not sure of the exact time. Uh, we basically were investigators, private investigators. That's what we did for a living. Right. Uh, things were uh, slow, so uh, I had uh, in. I had spent 20 years in law enforcement, uh, 33 years in law enforcement, and 20 of that as sheriff of Orleans County, Vermont. Uh, my deputies used to flag for Pike Industries, mm. uh, full uniform, so I knew about flagging. So I went, I uh, <clears throat> I got involved, I went to uh, Pike Industries, and we had started this business, flagging business, and Fortunately, I was, we were hired, our first contract. And we wrote the contracts at that time as Associated Detective Agency. Shortly thereafter, we changed, we, I mean, as, uh, we changed it to uh, ADA Traffic Control Limited. And uh, we, I started the, the business out of my home in Newport, my office. I have, a home in, I have an office in my, where I live in Newport, Vermont. And uh, we started with two flaggers, and uh, uh, Pat Murphy had to be one of those. And uh, it started to mushroom. 
one of our first big jobs was in Wilmington, Vermont, was a pipe job, laying water pipe. And uh, it just started to, the word of mouth started to get around that we had a flagging company. And uh, so it just started off from there and continued to grow. So that's basically how, how ADA got started. Now, today, the uh, ADA is a symbol. It doesn't really stand for anything at all. I mean, it's a symbol we have. And we left it because people started to understand that, know that we had a business and it was referred to as ADA. So that's basically how the business started back in the uh, end of 1996, uh, early 97. Interesting. Pat, when you got involved with your dad's business, was was that something you initially started out first in, or did you start with the fire department first? So, actually kind of both at the same time. I was in school to be a firefighter in college while um, he had an opening for a area supervisor in the same area that I was in college, which was central New Hampshire. And so he asked me if I could, that was my, that was really, I mean, obviously I started out as a flagger and then um, that was in high school. And so I started out, you know, just literally helping him as needed with flagging. And then, um, once the summer ended and I was back to school, I was done with that. And it was just a summertime thing. And then um, from there, pretty much he asked if I wanted to be a supervisor in New Hampshire while I was going to college. So I did those simultaneously in New Hampshire. And then um, I got an offer uh, for Burlington, Vermont Fire Department, and I left ADA altogether at that point. Right. Um now that you're with the fire department, you've obviously kind of gone through the years. Um, how many years have you been with Burlington Fire Department? Uh, 22. 22. And what what's your current title now with, with uh, the fire department? And I know it's changed since the last time I saw you too. Um, yeah, I'm now a battalion chief, uh, shift commander, and I'm in charge of one of three shifts. Wow, that's pretty interesting. 25 uh, members. Wow. Um, what's... Do you see yourself retiring from the fire department anytime soon? Or, and if you do, do you think your focus would switch to ADA full time? Yeah, so the city of Burlington has a defined benefit retirement system where, uh, like, a 401k is defined contribution, uh, which means you aren't, your retirement isn't a, isn't a dollar figure. Your retirement is based on what your contribution is and your company match. Defined benefit is a certain number of years gives you a certain number of dollars at the end of that. So in 25 years in the city of Burlington is where they basically say, you've reached your capacity and it's time for you to move on. Um, You can stay if you want, but your retirement really becomes um, not a focus anymore because you're not really contributing much to the retirement system anymore at that point. So there's really not a ton of incentive other than healthcare to stay uh, as a firefighter in Burlington after 25 years. So with that, in three years from now, I will retire from Burlington 
and I absolutely will focus my entire being on uh, ADA and uh, trying to better the company. That's awesome. Um, with, I know um, from obviously working with you guys and stuff, but now with how crazy, you know, with COVID and stuff like that, how has ADA's focus in um, maybe not your business model, but has your focus in the way you operate obviously changed with COVID and what's your vision uh, moving forward with, you know, probably, you, I'm not sure if you guys have restrictions, obviously, but how do you um, push forward with what your future implications are with the company with such restrictions? Want me to answer that? Yes. So, you know, COVID shut us down for a little while. We were just doing um, some basic, you, you know, there were some utilities that are um, essential, you know, and utilities of meaning um, electric, phone, uh, gas, things like that, that were mandated to stay um, operational. So we had some flagging on, on the road for those types of, I would say, emergency calls, but it was only, it was a very few, few number. So yeah, it certainly hindered our operations that, you know, other than that, they wouldn't allow any construction of any, any type of elective work was put on hold. So our, you know, we, we pretty much sent, we, we continued to pay every single administrative and management through all of that shutdown. Uh, we never, we never stopped their pay, you know, obviously flagging wise, they're an hourly based employee and they're, they're, you know, they were getting their own unemployment as they could, you know, as they will allow. Um, and then we came back and as we came back, we were held to very high standards because our industry it was one of the first to come back on board was construction. And the governor, you know, being a construction guy himself in Vermont, he was very proactive in getting um, road construction back on track. So with that, they used us as guinea pigs, really, literally. And so our industry in construction was micromanaged pretty heavily in that we had to wear masks, we had to have uh, safety glasses, gloves. Um, we had to go out and we had to find all this stuff. And, and during the height of all of this craziness where you couldn't even buy a bottle of hand sanitizer, we're trying to order 200 face masks and you know trying to find gallons of hand sanitizer to put um, in vehicles and overcome huge logistical challenges with flaggers being all over New England. Um, you know, so our focus really shifted on from just gearing up for the year to gearing up for the year with a COVID-related um, uh, spin on things. And so um, those mandates continue to today, and uh, they're a little less stringent, I would say. We continue to monitor all of our employees. They have to fill out a daily COVID screening. And, you know, I don't see that ending anytime soon. And they, you know, we still issue face masks. We still issue safety glasses. We still issue gloves. Um, the engineers on these big jobs are the ones who are, are sort of, I would say, um, parent that and watch over that. And some are pretty lenient and most are pretty lenient and say, if you're flagging down there on the end, I'm not going to require you to, to be all masked up. 
but if you're standing amongst a group of construction uh, people, then you're going to need your COVID stuff on. So, um, you know, we're going to continue to monitor. We're down, you know, obviously in numbers for the year. Um, I can talk about that at a different time, but uh, with unemployment situation, but uh, we're down overall, but we're going to continue to push the mission forward. And, uh, but we always have to maintain that COVID spin on everything right now. Right. Absolutely. Um, Mr. Murphy, what, when you, when you started the business did, uh, maybe, maybe I missed it, but uh, did you, I mean, essentially there's three divisions uh, within ADA uh, traffic control flagging or uh, flagging um, security and obviously rentals of uh, signs. Was that initially started um, along with when you first created the business or did that come uh, along eventually? Uh, the, uh, no, it didn't start, the flagging started first and, uh, with my, being my background in law enforcement, I saw the need for security and also private investigations. And, uh, so they, that kind of fell in place. And then, uh, I thought there was a, a need for, uh, say equipment that contractors need. So uh, I was fortunate, we were very fortunate to hire a man who had worked for another uh, rental company. Uh, I'd known the man over several years and he came to work for us. And that was, I think in 2010. And uh, so we got in this rentals and sales business, which we rent and sell most, most anything that a contractor needs to work with such as message boards, barrel boards, uh, light towers, cones, barrels, you name it, we can supply it. We, some, we rent these items, we also sell these items to contractors. So here again, there, I saw a need for this and it helped us to you know, have additional income, helped us to grow the company uh, because obviously, uh, obviously uh, such as, uh, company needs uh, big have jobs they got to have arrow boards so why not rent them from us we're local and you know we try to uh, buy local and deal with local and i think a lot of contractors feel the same way so th this business has grown immensely since uh, 2010 the sales and rentals business the security business i knew all along there was a lot of a lot of work in security and uh, so I thought that was another aspect that we could get into. And also private investigations. People hire private investigators for uh, uh, workers' comp cases where they surveillance uh, domestic cases, um, interviewing witnesses or stuff to accidents or whatever it may be. And so I, so uh, uh, Pat came on as a private investigator and uh, we've had some, we, we have had and still have some excellent investigators in our company. Uh, and uh, we try to do a professional job and I don't, I don't want to want to see it that way. And so that's, it, it basically all boils down to, I saw the need and it, from there, it just seemed to take off and that's where we are today. Right. That's awesome. Um, 
you know, I know not not a lot of people probably know um, ADA, but you guys are a second chance company. Was that something that just kind of fell into place when it comes to inquiring employees and giving uh, certain people certain chances? Or was that kind of a um, fundamental uh, platform that you guys wanted to run? That really came from Jim, who... Uh, ran a prison for a lot of years being a police officer that he was and he's always had um, I would say a soft spot for people who have not had the best of lives and you know and his philosophy has always been and it's true you know to this day we say it is everybody deserves a second chance and there's a ton of companies and I would say most companies and I don't want to speak for anybody else but just aren't willing to allow certain clientele to work for them. And given the fact that we work in construction and given the fact that we, you know, our company is mainly flagging, there also isn't a ton of people who want to do that. So the, 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 the sort of fit, the, the match sort of fit with his philosophy of everybody deserves a second chance. Everybody makes mistakes. Some are more serious than others but that person can change. Sometimes they do, uh, sometimes they don't. And um, so, you know, and as time has gone on, that has really carved our business into what it is now. And so we have a lot of people who would have never been able to be employed otherwise. And for a lot of different reasons, you know, so we're careful. We try to be careful about what we uh, what types of backgrounds we allow in our company. But at the same time, you know, um, some of those people who have backgrounds have proven to be our absolute best employees. Yeah, they appreciate a second chance a lot. I've had, excuse me, I've had them come to me and thank me for giving them a second chance. And, you know, the years I was sheriff, we had a, we were out of jail and I saw those people come back and and I think a lot of these people just need a, a chance. And, uh, and we're not talking hardened criminals, but we're talking people who made a mistake for whatever reason, and they, uh, they're just looking for a chance to prove themselves. And, uh, you know, everybody makes mistakes. So, and, and it, sometimes it doesn't work out, and we, we understand that. And, uh, but, uh, We've had very good luck doing that, and we have had a lot of good, very, very good results from that, from hiring these, some of these people who really want to work, but they just need a chance to prove themselves. Right. You know, um, I know you guys uh, pretty pretty well, and I know you guys are a huge family um, orientated business. And how do you how do you come home and put away the business sometimes and focus on family and that personal um, aspect of your own lives. You know, how do you, um, cause I know sometimes it can come home too. And sometimes it, you know, it doesn't, but how do you manage that? Um, it's easier for me than it is for Jim. I don't think Jim really does do that truthfully. And I don't think, um, and I, you know, I, I, I have to for my own, well-being be able to turn off that switch and just relax uh sometimes and because there are times when i come home from the firehouse after not sleeping and go right to ada 
and then leave ADA and come home and I have kids who need dinner and I, you know, who have homework and um, I have to flip that switch off and we'll take a family vacation and we'll go camping or wherever. And I have to put my phone in my truck and close the door and kind of put it away and just step away for my own well-being. But it's a family business and it's 24-7 and it's 365 days a year and it's never going to go away. And I don't think there's a family business owner on the planet that will tell you that it's easy to just turn a switch off because it's everything you do. It's not a job. It's a decision. It's a choice. And so, um, you, you know, there's, there's no description of what we do in ADA that defines it as a job. You know, it's just right. a family right. business. It's like a farmer. You know, does a farmer go to a party and not think about farming? No, it's his way of life and it's his decision. And that's exactly how this is, is that it's not something that it's a nine to five punch clock. And so um, you don't you don't really ever turn it off. However, there is times when you can put it on pause. Right. What, what do you think for you guys, um, maybe separately, or maybe you guys do agree on the same thing, but what do you find is the most frustrating aspect of your business? Do you think it's, you know, maybe people or, or uh, organization of certain things, or what do you find frustrating about it? Well, I mean, you know, labor, the labor market is very frustrating. Mm -hmm. uh, labor in general, any type of business that's in labor is very difficult business. Um, we have, you know, the, the biggest thing for me that's frustrating is system. I am a systems person. I need systems in, in everything that we do. And it drives me bananas that we don't have it. At the same time, that is the highlight of your company being a, fam a small family business is that, you know, it's a small family business. It's not corporate America, you know, and so having systems may be, you know, good at the same time, it, it can be detrimental. And so when something goes wrong and you don't have a system for it, each situation is treated a little differently. And the result sometimes is drastically different. And so you try to drill into people, you know, we have a policy for that, but coming from paramilitary fire service, Everything has a system. Everything is exactly how it's Structure. supposed to be. Right. When, there's a pro when there's a problem, you deal with it this way. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's very frustrating not having systems. Right. Mr. Murphy, are, are you the same? Yes. Uh, you know, it, it, it really, of course, the, the work ethic has changed a lot over the years. Mm -hmm. When I first started this business, Everybody went to work. I mean, right. it was like clockwork. We had 50 flaggers, we had 100 flaggers. Everybody showed up. And today is so frustrating. Uh, they'll take an assignment, and then not everybody, but a certain few, and we'll try to beat the system. You always have those. And uh, then they call out. And, you know, we have obligations under contract with these contractors to supply flaggers for their job. And some jobs require a large amount of flaggers, maybe 20, other jobs, maybe 10, maybe two, whatever. But it's, they're, they're depending on us to be there 
and to because if they don't have a flagger on on site, they can't perform their work. But you know I, that is really frustrating to me that if I work for you and I told you I was going to be there, I would be there unless right. I was so sick I couldn't get out of bed. But that doesn't happen today. If the worth ethic is not there what it used to be. Right. And I don't know what's going to happen down the road a few years from now because uh, I don't like to get into a lot of politics about it, but mm -hmm. I have been, I've had people, I mean, the work say one man worked for me last year. I went to him, I said, how come you didn't come back to work? Oh, why should I work? I'm getting mm -hmm. unemployment and I'm getting $600 extra in my pay, my unemployment. And he mm -hmm. says, why should I work? And you know, it, it's really frustrating to run a business and you expect to have your employees uh, work every day that they've been told and we have policy manuals that tell us they have to go to work every day and just not show up. And and have all kinds of excuses why they can't. Flat tire, gas, you know, just a few things. But uh, they always find a way that excuse why I'm not gonna work. Right. And, but, that's, but that's not, that's like 5% maybe of the workforce would be employed. It's not 90%, it's that 5%. Right. Maybe under, it's flustered. Right, for sure. And uh, that's a good transition uh, for my next question is, you know, uh, we all have our own kind of political uh, views or aspects that we seem to better grasp. Um, how do you personally separate that away from your business and other sorts? Like, how do you not bring that political atmosphere and attest it to your business. You know what I'm saying? Um, in a sense of tying it to who you are as a business owner. <laughs> well, I can tell you, Jim Murphy does not separate politics yeah. and business at all. <laughs> and um, I was, I was, uh, you know, I just told a story just about an hour ago when we were talking, we were looking over uh, some documents and um, Jim was away um, and he had some mail come into the office mm -hmm. and since he was away, I opened it cause I figured it better make sure we, it's not something time sensitive mm -hmm. and it was a tube and, um, and I was like, what is this tube? And I opened it and it's a huge, huge poster of Donald Trump. <laughs> and I said, what are you doing with that? And he said, right. I'm going to hang it in the lobby of our company. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is not the post office. You can't do that. Right. And so. I think I'm good for him in that respect of mm -hmm. I try to stay I'm at work in yeah. you know and I think a lot of it comes from the fire department where it's a business you have to be right down the middle because you have to respect everybody's view right and so right. I pull him back in and I try to you know on not only on politics but on a lot of different things um you know, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's hard to try to stay, keep your personal opinions out of things because you're your personal fit and it's our business, you know? So why can't you say what you want? Well, unfortunately you, you have, we have really good employees. We have an amazing um, administrative and management staff. And if it's anything like the rest of the country, it's, it's a 50, 50 split on personal political views. That was, I mean, I think we're just, you know, we're, we try to stay balanced as much as we can at work, but 
there's always going to be those times when the conversation starts at the break table or, you know, in somebody's office and, um, you know, you, you try to keep, you try to keep out of it, but you know, Jim's the owner and Jim has a strong opinion on what he believes and everybody is very, very well aware. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. The other way I, I don't uh, feel like, I have my own views, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, I guess I get a lot of that from law enforcement. You know, my 33 years I spent, like a lot, I've seen a lot of things, mm-hmm. and uh, and I I I, un- I understand that there's a cutoff point, and I don't uh, I don't uh, try to bring it to work, uh, or uh, when I'm talking to employers and stuff, I mean contractors, I. I stay all that. They may bring it up, and uh, but I, I try to uh, stay right. level. Uh, right. Um, when it comes to, uh, obviously I would know, but um, when you guys do do um, contracts with, you know, either you know private, you know, private contract or you know, kind of a federal contract or, or government, essentially. How do you, you know, how does that different from someone that wants something, you know, on the private side? You know, how do you build that? Um, you know, how do you get those bids? You know, how are bids done um, for people who don't really know how you get those jobs? Um, you know, how do you, you know, acquire those? Yeah, so every project starts with an idea, you know, mm-hmm. and it starts with you or me or, uh, and by that meaning either a state official or, you know, a road foreman or, you know, or then there's private like, um, hey, I need site work done um, because I'm building a new bar, you know, that could be that. And then um, they hire engineers to come in and survey the area and put together plans of what that scope will be. And so in Vermont, they have... Um, you know, area, I would say road foreman for for VTRANS or AOT. And they are basically out there saying, Route 7 in Milton needs to be resurfaced. I really need this done. I need this money for this. Or it could be um, Alex Morris is out there and I need a barn to be built and I need this money and I need to do this. doesn't matter if it's private or state or federal. Could be a big bridge that needs to be, so you have local inspectors who are out inspecting bridges that's all federal money. And so um, they say the bridge over 89 in Georgia needs to be replaced. Basically all stems the same way. There's an idea from somebody, there's a need from somebody that says this needs to be done. And then that goes to engineers, like I said, the engineers drop a set of plans, it's approved by the next level, whether that's private or federal or state. Um, and then it's sent out to bid. And then when, so we're a subcontractor, we're not a prime GC. So what happens is uh, the contractors will then start to look at the plans and decide this project is for us or this project is not for us. If it's for them, they throw a bid in. Now that could be private or state or federal, depending on what the bid is for. Um, So, you know, like ADA, for example, we're building a warehouse out behind our office. That's private work. But the bidding is very much the same. I have a set of plans. I give those plans to, you know, five or 10 different local uh, companies to bid on. 
And it's the same way if it's a $25 million bridge replacement. And uh, the work is always awarded to the lowest bidder, unfortunately. It's the only system that's out there. And some companies are very much in line with others, and some companies are out in left field with their bidding. I don't want to get into how they bid their thing. Right. So then um, once um, company X is awarded the job, they start finding subcontractors because company X does not able to do the entire job. So they may not, they may not, they may look for subs for flagging such as ADA or guardrail or um, paving if they don't do paving or under drains if they don't do site work. So they may sub out 90% of the project mm -hmm. and that's where ADA comes in. ADA is then contacted and ADA is asked if we would sign a contract with that contractor for flagging services for that job. Now, if it's somebody building a barn and they just need to get trucks in and out, that's a private job where we would say, yep, we'll send two flaggers and signs down to your job. And then sometimes it's a 6,000 hour resurfacing for 10 miles and they want 30 flaggers and you know, the, the, the process is basically the same. It's just the amount of workload is obviously varies. Right. Right. Um, when it comes to, um, sorry, hold on. I just want to say something about. Sure. When, when there's federal money involved, we have to, we have to um, do what's called certified payroll. That's the difference between a private and certified. And uh, basically that ends up in the federal because it's all federal money. So they want to make sure everybody's paid the correct wage. In different, in different parts of the state, every county has a, has a livable wage set by the federal government with federal contracts. Some, some could be you know, $19 an hour, some could be 17 Depends on the size of the county and some it doesn't make a lot of sense really. But uh, uh, it's a complicated uh, system that we have to make sure that if there's any federal money involved that we have to do what's called a certified payroll. And uh, sometimes it can be very tricky, but they basically they're checking to make sure that everybody got paid the correct wage. That's really what it's all about. Right. How do you, how do you guys market yourself or has that been kind of like f not much of a need just because of how long you guys have been in business and how well it's kind of flowed for you? Yeah, we don't. Um, honestly, we, we dabble in it. Um, but I'm going to be honest with you and tell you that I'm on the hunt for a marketing person. Um, we, I think, I think we're there with, you know, the size of our company could could you know once again increase with the right marketing person mm -hmm. um but right now all we only thing we really market is employment mm -hmm. um as far we do a little advertising uh locally in directories for associate general contractors or you know somebody will be having an event and we'll sponsor something for the event but other than that you know we have the the basic social media outlets that everybody else does, but we don't do anything proactively to market ADA at all. Right. Okay. Do you, it's just been word you, of mouth. Right. Do you guys um, think that, you know, maybe 
five, 10 years from now, you'll branch a little bit more outside the new new England realm? Or do you think you can, you still have a lot of focus within new England itself? Yeah, there's still a lot of work in New England that we don't capture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in New England, I would say loosely, you know, mm-hmm. the boundaries of the definition of the word New England. You can include upstate New York, um, Massachusetts, Maine. You know, we don't flag in really any of those areas. Right. So there's, there's still, obviously, there's other flagging companies that are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for our company, there's still a lot of area to grow into within New England boundaries uh, Mm -hmm. without going outside. Right now, there's no plans to go beyond New England. Yeah. Right. Do you, um, what what do you think is your strength and weaknesses together as um, obviously CEO and kind of the vice president of things? How do you, what do you think you're both good and and, uh, bad at as operators? Um. So I think I, you know, we, you know, we have a good balance between the two of us. And, you know, I can speak for myself, but I think that I, I'm really good at being a people person and I'm, a, I'm good at dealing with employees and I'm good at um, writing policy that people can understand and, 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 and relate to. And I try to take their, try to take their side of things before I react, you know, and I've learned a lot of that through life experience of of the fire service of, of just stopping and taking a deep breath before you react to something and listen, you know, when somebody's having a tough time rather than reacting quickly. And I think, you know, a strength of mine is dealing with people and I'm not saying Jim's isn't, but I think, uh, you know, he can be sugar or he can be spice and I can be sugar sometimes. And I think that's how we balance each other. Um, And then, but my weakness is dealing with new business and that's his strength. You know, he could sell an ice cube to an Eskimo and I can't sell anything to anybody. You know, I just will give away the world because uh, it's easier than trying to sell it. Um, so I think that's generational, my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think the, I would say the newer generation, meaning beyond what his is, mm-hmm. um, has a tougher time at those face-to-face conversations of pricing and selling your company and things like that. And that, that's really, you know, when things get really difficult, when somebody's down to the wire of saying, you know, we need somebody new and we need to tell you, you need to tell us why I say, Jim, you need to go talk to this guy. So, um, you know, that's, that's my, my interpretation of strength and weaknesses. Well, on my side, I, 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 uh, my strength, I, I always like to be very loyal to our employees and I like to, I don't know how to say this, but I think all employees look for look for praise. Everybody looks for praise, and I always found it beneficial to praise our employees, the ones that do a good job. Thank you very much for doing, and it goes a long ways, mm-hmm. um, you know. And I uh, I don't get out of the office like I used to, but uh, I, I'd like to get out and just to, you know meet everybody and 
know, explain to them how good job they're doing. And if they're not, correct that correct I can do that. And they listen. Right. And I also like to always treat all our employees with respect and treat them all equal. Uh, you know, and if they're doing wrong or something wrong, take them one side, talk to them. Uh, you know, it means a lot to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a thank you. Right. Weakness, well, here again, uh, probably too soft on some things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of sometimes let things slide a little bit, hoping things will get better. And oftentimes, probably I should have uh, done a lot, took took the bull by the horns to begin with. But I always like to, you know, give the guy the benefit of the doubt or whoever. And right. I, I, I do that. And uh, it's really helped over the years. Uh, going out and talking to contractors. See, in Vermont, in order to bid on a job, you have to be on the approved list uh, through Vermont Transportation. They have an approved list you can bid. Well, those are the people you need to go talk to. And I think that's one of my strengths. I can do that. For sure. But, Mr. Murphy, if you do retire, what do you think you'll do if you, uh, if you retire? And if so, what do you think the last legacy of who you are as a person, what kind of statement would you want to leave with the business to continue on? Well, if I retire, I'll play golf more. <laughs> right. uh, what kind of a legacy? I, I just, uh, you know, uh, hopefully that, uh, that I've, uh, been able to, uh, uh, it's hard to say, you know, it's, I've been able to create a, a, a need for the, for the areas, for the, for the state. And uh, hopefully that uh, my, through my teaching and leadership that it will fall onto their shoulders and to continue uh, the, the progress that we have seen over the years. Uh, you know, it's hard to say, but, uh, you know, it's what I feel that uh, we've come a long ways with our company. And it's, uh, it's amazing to me that we started with two flaggers and now we, we have 250. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd have more if we could hire them, of course. Mm-hmm. But, and and it, it, I look back on everything and, you know, it, it's just a, the office that we have today and the people that we have working for us uh, are amazing people. Uh, the office staff, they, I mean, everybody, I mean, Pat and everybody else, all pitch in. And hopefully uh, some of that leadership that I've shown and will follow, well, I'm sure it will, I'm sure with Pat, have a great faith in Pat, will continue on. And uh, if I can be of any help in the future, I would, uh, I would help them. Uh, it's hard to walk away, you know. Right. But I know it's going to be in, <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be in good hands with Pat, right? And uh, it's it's only going to grow, I believe. Absolutely. Well, um, I, I mean, you guys pretty much touched on um, a lot of the questions that I have, and um, I appreciate you guys' time. And I'm sure both of you are very busy, even on a Wednesday or whatever today is. But. Um, <laughs> I just want to thank you guys again and always sharing um, family moments with me and, and uh, 
always making me part of the family. If I stop in or if I need help with something, you know, I, I always appreciate that uh, family orientated business and who you guys are. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for thinking of us with this uh, podcast. And obviously we've, uh, you know, known each other for quite a while now. And, um, you know, it seems like uh, every so often we, we see Alex zoom in and zoom out and, uh, you know, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, of course, anytime, and you've been a big part of that, you know, as we've grown and, um, you know, it's definitely uh, been a long road, but we're, we're every year seems to get a little easier with what we're doing. And so, uh, but yeah, thank you so much for uh, thinking of us. Well, thank you. Well, thanks guys. And I'll uh, see you soon someday. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks Stop, again. Stop in, see you. I will. I will. All right. <laughs> Bye. Take care. Yeah. You too. Bye.